he's an idiot, right? We need to let stupid rich people fail. And we're not doing that. Welcome to Surviving Society. With Chantel and Tiso. This season's broad theme is... Reconfiguring whiteness. We are really excited chat with Rhonda Daniel. Hello, Rhonda. Hello, hello. Rhonda is, or was the first, were you the first class officer? Um, I was I was in the group that started it. I wasn't the first, um, okay. but I was in the group that sort of started so Ron, it off. Rhonda was in um, the group that started off um, the class officer within the, S, within the Students' Union at London School of Economics. Is that right? Yeah. And you studied at LSE for your undergrads. Yeah, yeah. And you've sort of stayed, sort of engaged within higher education and, and the politics of that whilst sort of not being formally in it still would you say that's yeah for sure yeah and I think that's 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 quite a nice way of being like a nice way of being like I keep thinking more recently I can't fucking stay with these people I'm gonna need to leave (laughs) but at the same time there's so much about higher education that I love so would Mm. you say that you've sort of got got that a little bit yeah for sure yeah I still go and I think at conferences as well I can sort of say how I feel and you know be very cockney to the point but um, I'm not representing an institution so I can sort of um, you know just represent myself do you feel you could be yourself in that institution? No, which is one I don't see myself going back into higher education. But we need you under... But do you think you could be yourself in in any institution? So, for example, when I worked in the city, it's the same kind of thing. Institutions by themselves, they're not made by us. Mm. We just occupy those spaces, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I speak a certain way, I behave a certain way. So when I go to the institutions, I feel sometimes when I, I used to, when I was younger, I'd feel funny. Mm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And you'd be like, "Can I? Can I? Can I say man? Is it right to say man?" <laughs> so you work. So you work as a market researcher now. Yeah. Market researcher now. So just coming on from what Tiso's saying, do you feel like that way of being and existing? is the same within the workplace or do you think there's something a bit more well insidious about higher education um i think do you know what i think i definitely sort of changed my accent when i'm around (coughs) other people definitely that started when i was at uni but in terms of the way that i behave in that i'm quiet i get told all the time at work that if i wasn't there i'd be a pub landlady all the time all the time but i do quite like i do quite like that um Mm. i think that people i think i don't i don't find that offensive i think Mm. people do truly understand me when when Mm. they say that Mm -hmm. um yeah because i'm I, i do talk about dagger a lot mm-hmm. um, is my home and that's very much part of me so I, I, I quite like that comment even though I think if I'd have heard it in the university space for sure I would have been really insulted and offended so we're going to talk today and I'm sort of going to like try and prompt you guys because I'm a bit of a I'm not an outsider in this conversation but I, but I think you guys can bring a lot more to it than definitely I can because as you just say like Dagenham's a part of you and your home and Tiso, you always say that East London, you're an East East Londoner through and through. That is what yeah, you are, first and foremost. Like people would ask me, so when I lived in Scotland, or whenever I've whenever I've been, like when I went to school in South London, like I'm an East Ender. That's what I am. Mm. The way I dress, the way I move, like everything, it's crafted, man. Like we perform all the time, right? So how we perform, how I dress, it's to to that code, to that street mm. code, to where I'm from. Would you say that as well, Rhonda? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say the same. Yeah. yeah. Pubs I go to, the walk, the way you walk, yeah, yeah, the way you talk, yeah, the way yeah. you interact with people is, yeah. is yeah. Actually, I was just, I was just on the tube here. I was sitting there chatting to a homeless guy that was actually from Dagenham, yeah. and yeah, it just started off with he caught my accent when I started yeah. talking to him, and but, he and he sort of realised, and I saw the stairs, and I thought you don't have you don't have that, <laughs> you know, you're, you don't get this. <laughs> well, this, this is, my mum sent me to South London for secondary school, mm. so I was uh, all I knew prior to then was Cable Street, Wapping, yeah. So I've gone to South... I, I hadn't... Eat, the furthest I went was West End, right? So I've gone to South London, so I'm going to Clapham Junction. The way they spoke, and I was like, I don't even know what you're saying to me. <laughs> like, it was just weird. And mm. it's, I was finding it to be super aggressive. And I, it was a thing, when I went to South London, I would think... And the, the, the types of people I would encounter would be more aggressive. I always thought East London was a bit more cosmopolitan, a bit more friendly yeah. compared to South London. See? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. 100%. Do you know what? I think it's like a... I think in all the working-class communities, and in even in London, but across the country, you've got your own sort of idea of what respectability is. And mm-hmm. to me, Barking and Dagnum and Essex even, 
was like working class respectability, especially going out into Essex. You went out into Essex for, you know, really nice shopping centres mm. or nice days mm. out or, you know, things like that. That was the respectable place to go. Um, but yeah, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't venture outside of East. Mm. Did you guys go to Lakesides? Yeah, yeah. That was a big, that that was, was a big place, place to me be. growing up. I don't, like, but, I don't leave where I'm at, man. Like, don't <laughs> leave my man. Listen, I'll go, we used to go Roman Road, right? I'm going Zinga, but my mum would take me down Petticoat. I hated it. I go Petticoat Lane, but because mum was small and people like they'll burn me. I get burnt with cigarettes. More people smoked, didn't it? So I'd be walking like ah. <laughs> but no, um, I, it's different, right? It's different now. But people, I think one of the things that was to my benefit is that I started going outside my area mm. and coming back. When I've come back now, I've seen people in the mountain. They've never left. Mm, yeah. And you speak to them. I'm like. What you're saying is fucking insane. What you just said to me makes no sense. Yeah. Or they're still involved. They're, they're older than me, so they're coming up to fifty, and they're still doing the things that were doing when they were seventeen, and thinking it's funny. I'm like, you can't fight outside a pub, man. Like this, this guy, when my one of my mates was outside, a guy's dad came to fight him. So the guy's dad must have been fifty five <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon, and I'm like that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen. But well, I think you get that. I don't think that's something that's that is, is uh, specific to the East End. Like you listen, get that in parts of those guys are listen. The, the, the story dates I'll tell you are hilarious, man. Like they do the most fucked up things, mm. man. Like for some reason I don't know why they like pulling their pants down everywhere I go. They'll pull their pants down for what? I don't know. In a pub, you be talking and they playing. They, they be betting on horses. And someone pull their pants down. And everyone goes. This sounds like, but it sounds like not really like East End. It sounds like men. Well, listen. Men no, listen, listen. I've gone south, I've south London. Not a problem. No one does that. It's, I went to Scotland. No one's done that. <laughs> it, it, here, they do it all the time. I'm standing here, and they're like, oh. "Call the pastor." I'm like, "Why are you doing that, bro?" Funny. <laughs> I don't know, but but these they're in the forties. <laughs> it's, it's insane. So what I think can be quite interesting about us sort of place making of the East End in this in this podcast is that as we spoke about this part of the UK is very it's a studied very much a studied and research mm. place particularly from people that are from outside of the area mm. like is that something that you guys sort of knew before you entered the academy like did you know that this was an area that people were sociologically interested in mm, to be honest I, I didn't I honestly didn't and I remember when I sort of first started and it was, oh, you're from, oh, you're from Dagenham. Oh, I'm doing a bit of research there. And I was like, oh, so have you got have you got some sort of connection there? And it was, no. And then, you know, I sort of learned about positionality very, very quickly. <laughs> and I, I always said to myself, do you know what? I'm going to, one day I'm going to write a book about where I grew up. Mm. And then as soon as Brexit happened, and I remember all of the, that's when I sort of became, you know, really defensive of where I live and I've never had that before because mm-hmm. we were the only area that voted leave in all of mm-hmm. London I say we I didn't personally vote leave but yeah. but you know I, I became really defensive and I thought I wonder how many of my friends are going to be approached by academics and there was this American academic who had approached me and asked me to be a gatekeeper and I said no I said no you've got you've got no connection to the place you're going to study my friends as lab rats and just head off home you know I think so what what do you think it is and we don't want to get obviously too brexit but what do you think it is about your your part of the east in particular that people have been so intrigued by or interested in I think I think housing probably mm-hmm. first and foremost we so I grew up on it used to be the world's biggest um council house estate What's up it until Thatcher sold it off Beacon Tree mm-hmm. I grew up on Beacon Tree estate um Thatcher sold I think well over half of the housing stock off from oh. right to buy you know and that but again that was a that was a huge thing for us because again working class respectability it was great to own own your own house and it still is now it's great mm. to own your own house of course i think we know that that's not not doable for certain generations <laughs> but yeah i think mainly housing um a lot to do with sort of immigration um uh, uh, yeah heavy amount of immigration um there's this sort of perception of um especially as white flight has happened so you know so frequently in inside and outside of london i think there was this um sort of people people were catching on in the academic world to white flight out into essex and they felt that they were the right people to document that somehow um not quite sure why i'm sure they were interested but not quite the right people to do it so white flight 
obviously is a, a um, imperfect term, but what when people are saying it, what do they mean? They mean more white people moving outside of London. Yeah, what what East London suffer from is it's a shift from manufacturing to the post-industrial space, right? Mm. So mm. finance, insurance and real estate have become the service industries that are doing yeah. stuff, right? But they've kind of destabilised the kind of the kind of communities that were there, destabilised yeah. notions of masculinity, destabilised communities because different groups are coming in to take those jobs. It's also created a new class of worker. So you have the high-paid worker who lives in the city now mm. and we who service them live just outside the city. Yeah. Right? So you have this whole mm. process going on, right? And these processes that you can't see. But what you do see is us fighting over resources. Oh, yeah. So flats. Council flats become like a gold standard. It's gold dust, right? Yeah. So people are arguing and... Like, when the Bengalis first came over, and I, like I said, I, I remember when one family moved next next door to us, and uh, the idea of difference, uh, even, like I said, like, even for me, like, the stuff that one day they put, they had meat, and they put it on the washing line. I still don't know why they did that to this day, but the horror, that even I can remember people's parents going, do you see what they did? Do you see what they did? Mm-hmm. The idea of difference, it frightened people. Mm-hmm. And that change, all this stuff that's going on, you can't see that, mm. but you can see the person that's moving a little different from you. And this has been the this has been the kind of the hallmark of the East End. If it's the Jews or the Huguenots or or the Bengalis, or yeah. it, whatever groups coming in, there's a bigger change, there's a bigger structural change going on. But I can't put my finger on that. Mm. So I blame that person. So so, yeah, yeah, that's so, exactly what's happened. I blame that person. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. Yeah, it's easy to do, man. Because especially if you're arguing, because you can't see that change, but you want a council flat, right? Yeah. So my mum said, before I left, put your name on a list. I put my name on a list. I left London. I came back 10 years later. I'm still in the same place. So what's the point? Mm. But then you, then you, someone will tell you, because it's always through hearsay, T, do you hear so-and-so who's got a flat? And you would be like, oh. And that's how it starts, man. Mm, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's how it starts. It's easy. I think there is a big difference there, and I think especially in Barking and Dagnum, there's this sort of... Um, I suppose internal snobbery than working classes, like especially with the council house waiting list, it's oh you know you've got you've got to get pregnant if you want a council house. That mm-hmm. is still it's obviously so outdated, but mm-hmm. that is still a really really predominant view there. They think you know this is why really young girls have kids, and then it becomes this sort of war against mm-hmm. all these different groups. It becomes a war against migrants, against um, teenage mums, against single mums, mm-hmm. um, even even disabled people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, there's no. I mean, I think this is one of the biggest problems we've got in this country. The way that we treat treat disabled people is absolutely disgusting, it's, and it's, yeah. It's but somehow, but somehow, you know, if there's if there's a resource to fight over, it's it's that group's fault now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's even disabled people's fault now. Mm-hmm. Because that sense of destabilisation has gone right. Mm-hmm. So I can clearly remember going to people's houses, right, and you could clearly people will show you their class allegiance. So you go into someone's house and they've got a paper, a sun, a mirror, yeah. and it's that's proudly displayed. They don't show you their class allegiance. So it's usually, a, it's usually a tabloid and it's usually a it's a red top. So if it's sun, that means you vote conservative. If it's labor, you, sorry, if it's a mirror, you vote labor, mm. right? And people display it. But in, as you come up to the 21st century, class has been removed from the discussion, right? What's in what's in discussion? If you I don't hear, know about that. I don't think I agree with you on that. But listen, what's what, what's what's what do people talk about more? Identity. No one talks about class. Yeah, but specifically, no one talks about class specifically. I think they do talk about class, but in a way that exploits and utilizes a narrative that ser- serves know, a purpose. But, I know, but no one talks about class. So no one says I'm proud to be working class. I think they do. <laughs> we'll what I have? Okay, so what we're talking about? What we're talking about? Um, particularly about class at the moment, the thing that I've been really troubled with, and I know you share this as well, Rhonda, is how working classness has been co-opted by those in power to divide us, particularly those of us that are racialised as not being part of the working class and that we are leaving behind white working class people and that for some reason, like, black and brown people aren't part of those people that have been left behind. Yeah, yeah. Like, how we combat that at the moment, I just can't see a way out of it. And that is something which I feel like the East End can sort of give us examples of how that has been combated mm. and how we can fight against that. Did, did, did that, did that yeah, make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about communities in the East, but I can, I can think about even a community that's right here in Newcross, um, Achilles Street, they're, mm. they're a very, very multi-ethnic group of mm. working-class people um, who are losing their homes. And it's these these people have... Again, it's the, it's the shared economic interest mm. that you have when you're working-class. Mm. Um, 
I, d- I don't know. I do. I don't, I'm not sure if it's a sort of left behind or a left out. I do. I do definitely feel that. I do feel that we have a problem in this country with white working class men. I do. I do mm. feel that they are left out of the narrative, and that's where people like Tommy Robinson have started to pick up on that. I think that. I think that white working class men are a really, you know, sort of interesting group anyway. In the, you know, there's there's the, the masculinity in within white working class men is very different, especially in terms of the job that you would have and the yeah the way that you think, the papers you read, that sort of thing. It probably has been sort of we are we are one working class regardless of your race, and I think in the East End it is definitely still like that. But I'm, I'm even just thinking I'm even just thinking about about Brexit I did a, I did a video actually about um about I was talking about Jeremy Corbyn and I was talking about Labour and um how Labour sort of lost its you know working class vote because it Labour doesn't even say working class anymore I don't know why it wants to say workers it's because it doesn't want to alienate its middle class voter base right or they don't can, want to say it can you argue against that in that they're trying to say that they're including black and brown people yeah, because yeah. I agree with you that mm. there are obviously white working class men and are an interest mm. or working class and white men are an interesting mm. group but so are black working yeah, class yeah, yeah. men, yeah, and like sure. you could probably you could mm. probably make a bigger case that they're possibly in quotations more vulnerable than that group. Sure, even. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I, I agree with what you're saying that that group can be that group mm. is definitely people that it's important to think about and to look at and and to be interested in, particularly in helping particularly people that are more likely to be vulnerable but the way that gets co-opted mm, yeah. by people is so dangerous right now and it's like how do we find a way to talk about these people but also not detract from people that share either similar or worse mm, yeah. Um, yeah i think we need uh, do you know i think we i don't i don't think we're ever going to have this we need working class people that i think i'm trying to think of like local politicians there's Pfizer shaheen in uh, chingford the parliamentary candidate there mm. she is someone that probably never wanted to be a politician she's someone that's come from the area seen what's happening to people there and said i have to do something you know working class people that are sort of forced into that space people working class people let's be realistic then probably never going to enter the media sphere unless mm. we create our own media which is what people are doing mm. um but it's not going to you know realistically it's not going to get into that national space i think starting to dominate sort of political spaces is where working class people need to go i mean it's happening in the northeast right now there's some really great um working class women especially in the northeast that are mm. doing some amazing things um i think i think in london though it's it's quite difficult to do that what i find is like i said if you look at working class history mm. We working class people are super political. Yeah. So all the changes that you see, like from the Chartist movement to the Luddite movement to the Peterloo massacre, Brunswick, so yeah. all, all these things are yeah. working class movements, right? Mm. Up until the nineteen seventies, you have the, the trade union movements, right? Yeah. So we have lots of power, but like I said, since from the nineteen eighties, class has been been slowly chipped away from the political. So mm. no one, no one's engaged in that way explicitly like they used to. In the nineteen seventies, a big thing. So much, so much so that Thatcher had to make a point to destroy the unions. Mm. But now it's kind of taken away from people. It's always there because we know Britain's a class-based society, mm. right? But it's not spoken in an explicit term. So that's why Tommy Robinson has got found his niche because they're, they're, for the first time, working-class mm. people are saying, he sounds like, he sounds like me. Yeah. He, he, wears, he wears Stone Island. Yeah. So he's, he's me. He's a prick. He's yeah. Like, yeah. And, I say, and, and, that's, and that's the mad thing, man. Mm. And I see it and I think, and that's... If you want to look at the East End, the East End is a convivial space, right? So there's always been ethnic minorities. Mm, always, yeah. So when Queen Elizabeth spoke about there was a large community of black people, and where did they settle? East London, right? And they were mm. concerned about people mixing with black people. So it's always had that space. So mm. I was kind of interested in trying to find if we can elaborate the solidarity that we find in East London and we can generate and say this is a model for the rest yeah. of the country to unite the country, man, because mm. black, white, we're always... If we went yeah. to South London and people started saying to me, T, you got a white girl? So I'm like, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> they're like, oh. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, so, yeah. 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 Do you know what? I actually, I used to have a... I was just thinking about... I, just had a na- I had a neighbour that lived across the street to us and he was very, very openly BMP, but he was really... I always remember him being really friendly with my dad. Mm. And it was I don't I don't know why why he why he was so pro BMP. Um, I'll never know to this day. But even even the sort of really conservative or even sort of voting towards racist leaning groups like the BMP were still very very you know I never I never sort of witnessed anything when I was when I was really small. And again, yeah, it's that it's that conviviality because my my dad wasn't my dad wasn't sort of the only black man that lived on the street. He was. 
he was just, you know, Keith that used to work mm. in the Ford factory. That was it. That mm. you know. And, and this is the madness. So I, like I said, my mum makes it clearly they, they are racist, man. They say some racist shit. Mm. But equally, they'll sit around my house with my nan. Yeah. Mm. And so it's it's that kind of weird contradiction. Mm. And so as I've got older, you pulled on my nan and you say you have to think about what you're saying. Yeah. But at the time, as when I'm growing up in those spaces, sometimes like. Yeah, no, sometimes it's one of the best, some of the best of my times, right? Because it's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. But it's been, it, it, sometimes it's hard to reconcile some of the stuff that they said as I've got older. Mm-hmm. But equally, yeah, it's, 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 a weird, it's a weird thing. Like when I moved to Scotland, it's a similar thing. When you go to all white spaces, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's a fu- maybe it's a funny way how I'm navigating those spaces. I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. And I don't know, I find it... Do I is the saying how to square the circle? What's the saying? How do you how do you circle the how do you square the circle? How do you circle the square? <laughs> Where it's like so my so my yeah my white family are very much working class from Medway Town and um, obviously I've grown I've grown up in predominantly white spaces as well and like particularly in how politicise this moment is like how desperate it is in terms of Brexit and politics and all the party politics and whatever and it's like there's some things that remained unsaid between some of these groups within my life that have made me be able to exist amongst them Mm. whereas more recently that has been that has been quite challenging for me I don't like it's really difficult to not sort of not fetishize this moment but sort of exceptionalize this moment but at the same time like I do feel like that conviviality amongst some of my yeah working class and white peer groups and whatever has been challenged Mm. particularly even in the last five years and obviously there's been times in history when that would have happened like We've not just arrived here recently, our black family. So it's like, how can I carry on defending people that are economically struggling and mm. beca- it's because of the ruling classes and because of the middle classes? How can I keep saying, you need to look at the people with the power, they're the ones that are enforcing this mm-hmm. stuff, they're the ones that are enforcing this stuff, when I've got, like, a guy on the tube that clearly is not in a great situation but calling me the N-words. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, like, it's, and I'm not, ex- it's exhausting, It's actually. really exhausting. It exhausting. And, like, yeah. still, like, to this day, like, we've even, we've done the episode with Danny Dorlin where he's explained, like, the statistics on who actually has got us where we are today and it is the yeah. middle class, it's yeah, the rich it people. Is. Like, yeah. they're the people that's got us where, where we are. But then how can we have that whilst also trying to get people to not blame, yeah, as we've said before, like, Gary and Steve for, like, stabbing my dad on the bus. Do you know what I mean? It's so, it's like... A, I know it's not binary, no, but this is just in my lived experience, like, it, it, as you say, Rhonda, I find it really hard to live I, between those two. Particularly at the moment, I'm finding it hard existing in those two worlds. I never deny working-class racism, right? It's, it's yeah. live, and my experience of it is... So, when I was younger, I'd see skinheads come to East London when the mm. BNP got in... You see mm. skinheads, so, so it's mainly a working class vote. When you see the NF walking down the street, it was mm. a skin. It was a working class movement, right? Yeah. So, but it's not to, to deny it, but also to understand that that's not the whole story. Mm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's that's that's. And and, say, and, yeah. and that and that's the problem. So it kind of t- it kind of takes the whole. If you look at it a bit further, it's trying to understand like the whole thing about whiteness. We assume whiteness is a one thing, but mm. it's not the whole story. There's a whole section of whiteness that's not like that but don't you think it's interesting how and Rhonda gave this example of um, the, talking about the British National Party mm. like some of the yeah some of my various peer groups particularly those that are white that back in the day like 90s noughties when we would talk about the BMP like in our own like juvenile way and whatever and even like adults in my life at that time saw them as a joke like mm. saw Nick Griffin as a joke like yeah. Nick Griffin on Question Time saw him as a joke even Nigel Farage saw him as a joke but now <laughs> We've got to this point where it's like, he's got a point. But that isn't just something that's amongst the working class, that's amongst, like, everyone. No, like, but, it's not... But, no, but, that, but this is what I'm trying to say. This is part of that cultural movement. He, he, he hasn't changed his point, but what's happened is the Overton window is spread. Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and so his point yeah. has moved. So it's, it's, moved to the, it's moving to the, you know... He's moved to the point, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's, not, so it's always it's the same argument. But it's the Overton window shifted, and, yeah. and but it's been a concerted effort online through the culture wars, through mm-hmm. like through like uh, the gamer movement, through the incel movement, through the through the alt right movement to shift and put mm-hmm. identity first and foremost. Even one of one of Reagan's advisor 
important to push identity forward mm-hmm. because it's an easy way to divide people. Because if you're mm-hmm. in a community, if you're in a multicultural community, yeah, and you start putting people saying you're that and you're this, and it's, class it's, is gone. Right? Yeah, class yeah. is gone. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's an easy way to stop people organizing mm-hmm. because what, what's one of the things that people are scared of? Organ, organization of the mob. So. Mm. One of the things that work, the elite have stopped, tried to stop working class people doing is organising. Yeah. So they've tried to say they fear the mob, so they put... So if you have, look at the history of it. The Chartist movement was a problem. Mm. The Luddite movement was a problem. The trade unions were a problem. When working class people organise, it's a problem. And the fear is mm. that working class people can unite and mm. and do things politically by themselves. No, no one in power wants that. Because mm. we're the majority, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. The, the anger is it's so misplaced, but... It's going to be misplaced if we still live under a capitalist system, right? Yes. Like, like look at look at Canning Town and Extinction Rebellion, right? Oh my god! Uh, like the, these these people were just trying to get to work. These, mm. you know, don't, don't zero, go to a, a working class town. Yeah, like shift work. Mm. Oh, that yeah. was frustrating. Yeah. But, but why didn't they, they go but, to Richmond? Yeah, exactly. They should have they 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 just gone. You could have yeah. done the same thing. Like, it it does, the consciousness was just not. Not there at all. But these, but you know, th- this is what capitalism has done. You are so desperate to get to work that you will physically hurt someone. Mm. Yeah. Again, like class hasn't really come to the sort of fore until until then, and it was all you know. Even even the sort of you know the liberal left middle class were like, oh, you know, um, look at these animals. Look at these animals, and it, that's a racialized word as well mm-hmm. now. Yeah, look, because yeah. you know, Canning Town is a very very mixed area. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was look at all these working class black men. Look at all these working class mm-hmm. immigrants. Um, you know, attacking attacking all of our. All of all of their peers, mm-hmm. um, and it was it became rather than sort of demonising Extinction Rebellion for not having any sort of racial or class consciousness. It was, gosh, there was like a swarm. I remember seeing the word swarm in mm-hmm. it was probably the sun. Um, <laughs> seemed to have a thesaurus of um, <laughs> and you know animal related words. Um, but you, you know it was it was dr- the the sort of physical words, the dragging and the kicking. Not people trying to get to work are so desperate because you know they are on zero hour contracts. If they don't get to work, they're not feeding their family. Mm-hmm. There was no discussion of that, um, mm-hmm. and you know that it was all about. Whilst I agree with what Extinction Rebellion do mm. and the reasons behind it, they have no idea, you know, yeah, why go to Canning Town? Why choose there? Because, yeah. you know. It's, like, it's, it's not even close. It's not really the financial hub. Or yeah, it's, it's not. not where they are. It was but just like, I, I, I genuinely think that, I think that there's a huge problem in that movement in that they sort of want to get arrested because it's quite fun. Mm. Um, you know, the Brixton police will, um, you know, kill black people um, ex-soldiers and um, and everything else, and black women, um, particularly with mental health issues, you know. But they'll they'll feed them, you know, hot vegan food, and and they'll be sent flowers and that mm. sort of thing. There's a huge sort of yeah. um, race and class problem there. Yeah, yeah. So we've got um, we've slowly shifted into the politics of Extinction Rebellion, which I think, yeah, very. It's a it's a, obviously it's a hot topic. This this episode will be coming out, I think, in December. So it's good to sort of bring it back to where we are now in the end of October. Mm. So Extinction Rebellion have done a series of organised protests across London. But you know, listen, you know what we spoke about earlier, right? So it's about your uniform, right? When I see Extinction, I don't see people that dress like us. Mm, no, so yeah. We're, we're not there. If I don't see people that dress like us, like when I see festivals on TV... They're not the festivals that I go. Yeah, yeah. You get me? They're not. I'm not seeing mm. people wear trainers or or wearing decent clothes. I'm seeing people sitting in mud. We don't sit in mud, man. <laughs> I think. Well, I think I, I. I'm not as familiar with. Um, obviously, I very much care about the climate crisis. I'm trying to do my bit as an individual. I'm actually pescatarian now, and one of the reasons why that is is because of um, climate change. Mm. But. I think one of the things that I struggled with about a year ago, I went to New York. I was very lucky to go, and they don't recycle or anything. Like they're not like do, they're not like. I didn't realize how much America wasn't doing in terms of recycling. And then you come back and you actually look at like the stats and who's actually contributing the most to the planet dying. And it's the big corporations, these massive countries. Yeah. yeah. And yet, like Extinction Rebellion, are like taxi drivers had like a, the worst week ever of work yeah. like yeah. you've got you, you're blocking yeah. Canningtown station I do but but then at the same time like it's such a well, I get it though as well like I'm up for protest I think protest is good like I think we need it but then it's like oh it's such a right listen man's go gonna drop a Game of Thrones analogy right go on <laughs> you see climate change that's the Night King right yeah it's an existential threat that's coming it's coming for everyone yeah but only a few people have seen it so people mm. that people that are suffering working class people or disenfranchised people Across around the world, the world they've mm. seen it they, we've seen it right the Night mm. King oh my god but the people who people in power we go to them and say listen the Night King's coming like 
bro, listen, don't worry about that. Don't worry, don't worry about that. Don't. And so, listen, and so, but in terms of people doing stuff, like, no one, everyone's got, everyone's a Cersei, right? Because no one wants to take, commit the resources to, to tackle that problem. China's saying, mm. listen, we want to industrialize. You've had your chance, so, so you start. Mm. But no one wants to start because it means investing money, right? Yeah. So, like I said, it's, it's the Night King. Mm. It's coming for everyone. And that's a huge problem with Extinction Rebellion as well. You know, it's ult- it's ultimately capitalism that's causing this, right? Let's be honest, you yes. know. And and even, you know, think, thinking about outside of London now, um, you know, the people that are most affected by this right now are people in the global south who, mm. you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure all these white middle class people in Extinction Rebellion know quite well from their gap years and, <laughs> you know, from their three months um, volunteering yeah. with children. Um, I'm sure they know them quite well. But, you know... Um, there's again there's this lack of there's this um sort of it's a sort of self righteousness actually mm-hmm. um but actually they don't realize that they can take annual leave off of work and um they have they 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 can use their privilege to 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 protest right um but you know i i i get terrified at protests i mm-hmm. and i also wouldn't see the same faces that i saw on top of those trains trying to glue themselves to trains and and to electric modes of transport like dlr um yeah. you know the, the you know that they they wouldn't be there outside they they surely weren't there you know the, I'm thinking of the London riots now because I was old, I wasn't old enough to remember that like um, the London riots they were not there the listen, people, the people they're, they're protesting you know for Mark Duggan were not were listen, not these people listen, but in your... we won't, we've been we've been asked to go to protest on behalf of yeah leftist movements and we're like we, we can't go because. Mm. But they're not, like, they're not, our bodies are not the same as your body yeah, is. Yeah. Really, but you know they're not your people. And when you, you mm. I know they're not. Yeah. And um, even when you're there, you, I don't feel engaged with them. Mm. They know, like, so you're kind of, well, I'm on the outside. We're there. Fuck Boris. Fuck Boris. Boris. We went to the fuck mm. when he came mm. into power. Listen, I, it was weird. you know how you know many police people? Now, there were about four police there. Mm. And how many people were there? Thousands. Thousands. Mm. And we were like, four oh people, Four God. police. I yeah, like, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. So they they bring they bring them all out and the, if it's anything to do with you know actually I, me- I remember going to Grenfell March and they brought the fucking horses out <laughs> yeah, and you know yeah. you know mm. they'd really spent big bucks on this and mm. they wouldn't do they wouldn't do the same if they you know they sort of guess who's going to be there right and then mm. they resources but roll back and I'll ne- I'll never forget this I think I think it was Adam that said this to us about like when I think when was he talking about this how we sort of they play people like Exp- Extinction Rebellion play a role in dis- disrupting and dismantling capitalism and we have to kind of appreciate that role. We can critique it, but we kind of need them to do this sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe we don't need it at Cannon Town, but, like, I think it was... I think the example he gave was, like, when um, there was some students, probably white, that, like, raided, like, a um, weapons factory. Or and animal it, rights. Animal rights people usually, aren't they? Yeah, maybe. But it's, all, it's mainly all white people. But, like, if that was a group of black people, then they'd be sent to prison for years and years but like we can't like how do we critique them whilst also appreciating the role that they play in disrupting I just wanted to see these people like they know there was someone on TV the other day and they said they know you've got a diversity problem Mm. so what are you doing yeah exactly so listen you sort generally speaking they're they're academics policemen they're Mm. they're like professional people use your brain yeah Mm. not hard eh Mm. But what would we want them to do? I'd want them to be involved in their, you know, yeah. I, do you know what? I, I, I'm really involved in my local community, in my local, you know, my local politics as much as as much as I'd like to be in national politics. But you know, and you know, I'd much rather invest my time in local problems like housing, um, like like the benefit system than than you know, I'm for, uh, you know, of course I agree with Extinction Rebellion, but I'd much more invest my time in the local politics because mm. right now this is what's affecting people, the material mm. need where I live, and I think that's the big problem. The the people in this movement don't have that they're, they're they're comfortable enough to not have these material needs, right? So they can they can invest all that time, but actually, if they're not involved in their community, how can they? How can this message get there? Because I, I think people are aware of it, but the general public rightfully so hate extinction rebellion because at the moment they are a bit of a nuisance they're not mm. they're not again it's this whole sort of tommy robinson thing mm. that that's someone like you you know I'd, I'd probably resonate more with a i'm trying to think of a working class tory politician i'm sure there are some but i doubt it um john major you know yeah that working class <laughs> tory i'd probably resonate with them more um mm. Than I'm, than I might an extinction rebellion. Even, even though I've probably got more or less the same belief system as but, them. But mm. I think this is sometimes. I think sometimes this hits at the core of this kind of whole shift to like, to kind of the environment. Like, for example, the shift to eating healthier, right? 
it's hard for working class people to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I hate mm. that. The, pun- the, pun- the punish the working class. Yeah, it's hard to yeah, do. So, they, so I've, I've come to my manor, there's about 50 vegan shops and all this, like. Yeah. And mm. I'm like, bro, like, I, like you can't, I, can't, I can't roll like that. Mm. And before, at one point, this McDonald's everywhere. But, yeah. that's, but that's what I mean. So that's what frustrated me about visiting America and seeing how detached they are, even though they're one of the biggest... Um, contributors to the planet dying and how we're actually saying oh no we need to monitor what working class people eat like I don't know I know that's to do with other things like obesity and health and all that sort of thing but like it is also to do with yeah climate policies and I don't know if those big corporations but it's always blaming poorer people basically and yeah, it's because it's eugenics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm yeah. trying, like, like, look at Kate and Wills and uh, Meghan and Harry. Whilst, whilst I quite, you know, I do sympathise with Meghan as a black yeah. woman. I do sympathise with her. However, you know, stop, stop, stop telling us that it's the problem because we're overpopulated. We know you're talking about the global south. Mm. We know you're talking about the poor. Yeah. What, you know, what did she say? Um, they they keep saying we're overpopulated, and you know, they yeah, they've sort of said we're going to do the world a favour and we're just going to have the two kids. Um, you guys stop breeding now. You know, it's all it's all it's about the sort of, I didn't yeah, know. yeah. They've they've said oh. that people are breeding too much, and it's this whole yeah, 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 and again, yeah, that's yeah. the sort of thing. Let's 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 monitor these bodies, right? Let's yeah, monitor yeah. the bodies of the global south. Why and don't people. you just stop? Putting fucking shit in the air no, but, and mm. killing but like people. Said, yeah. like, but, but that's interesting you said. Like I said, it ties into the whole thing. Like of the, remember that demographic shift that the West fears, right? Mm. Like by 2000, 2100, sub-Saharan Africa will have the most populated place on the earth of mm. the, with the youngest population, right, of working age. So no, wait, wait, wait. that's what I mean. Like mm. I literally feel like. But it's a problem for Europe because Europe has a declining population. With a lack, with a lack of people, t- lack of a low birth rate and a, a, a high death rate, right? People mm. living longer, so it's it's fucked. So the only thing you can remedy that is immigration, and immigration is a no no at the moment, mm. right? So what do you do? So they've closed the doors on Europe, and mm. they're telling black people stop having kids, stop. But they've been mm. doing that for years. Yeah, yeah, and it, and that's that, that's the sort of the sort of the food argument really frustrates me. I remember there was this fair train advert that got a lot of shit a few years ago, um, and it was. Um, I think it was a woman in a shop saying, "I'm not going to pay more for that." Um, and then these sort of, I don't know how they'd, I don't know how the parents had allowed this, but these two black kids show up at the door with like a big, um, and they've got like holes in their clothes and that no sort of thing. No. These two black kids show up at the door and give uh, give this it's woman her YouTube. food. It must be on YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. And she and she sort of looks, she sort of looks appalled, and she's like, "Oh," and it's this whole, "Oh, if only I'd have paid a bit more money, you know, these black kids wouldn't be at my door." And it was just like I. You know, that, but but that, oh but I genuinely think God. that is how people think. It's like, do you know what? Pay a little bit more money, and you know, don't get me wrong. Fair trade is great because people in the global south are treated more fairly. However, it's very expensive. You know, it's easier to get. I'm trying to think of really cheap food that I see in the corner shop, like Rustler's cheeseburgers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my, my yeah. old brother lives on those mm. Rustler's cheeseburgers. Yeah, yeah. They're you know they're cheap and and they're probably cheaper than like getting getting you know veg for even a day or mm. getting you know. Mm-hmm. Getting loads of you know mm-hmm. healthy or organic food, mm-hmm. um, yeah. There's a huge sort of it's a sort of poor poor shaming. It's that it bl- is blaming poor. the poor again. Is it much much cheaper to go to McDonald's than mm-hmm. it is to probably yeah. cook? Um, oh yeah, Jamie Oliver, you hate him. Don't you? Oh god, oh, absolutely. Do you know? Oh, I love him. Yeah, he's absolutely hate him. He, he says stuff like, "Oh, let's get rid of takeaway deals on pizzas," yeah. and it's like, but School you know. Yeah. Listen, but I always say to myself, like, Jamie, if you're such a big boy, talk to, talk to your boys, man. <laughs> yeah, that's what talk, talk, talk to your boys. Talk to your boys, isn't it? Yeah. Why are you talking to us? Yeah. But, like, okay, but he's not, like I said, he, no, he, see him, he reminds me of... He needs to stop having kids. If he, they're, they're, like, he's, he's got loads. Yeah, yeah. He reminds me, what's his chops? Guy Ritchie and all them people. Like, they want to... They, they see our area. They want to be... Like, just talk to your people, you're not mm, our people, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, he's a dick. Mm. Sorry, Jamie, if you've got any jobs going... <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't, he hasn't. He's back, isn't he bankrupt? Listen, he's got dough, man. He's got dough. His restaurants got, are out, man. Listen, listen, he sold them. Like, when you bankrupt, you're doing a solvency event, right? Yeah. So you pay for pay for your creditors. He's got dough. Jamie, tell the truth, you've got dough, innit? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, trying to be a bit more, like, optimistic, particularly thinking about, like, housing policies and welfare... Do you feel like Rhonda, like the next sort of few months could be could change things for the better 
or possibly mm. I feel like we're on like a knife edge yeah and like, but I mean by the time this comes out we might know that we've got our general election coming or something yeah. like that yeah you know I think well I, I, I do think it would be great to have a general election unfortunately mm. I don't think you know I think I don't think the right the right party will necessarily get in Brexit has taken over every you know oh. the you know the 31st of October is when Brexit is supposed to happen the 30th of October is when the Grenfell report's coming out and nobody's going to give a shit about that and these you know this happens all the time we're too busy talking about Brexit which to be brutally honest it's not it's not going to massively affect me it's probably not going to affect people that you know I've got two siblings living in hostels right now they're not going to be affected by Brexit to be brutally honest with you they're still you know they're going to be in as equally shit a situation as they were in before <laughs> right you know that there's some people are already pretty you know stop telling poor people who are in the worst situations they can be in that they're you know going to be a lot worse off by, by Brexit is what I'm saying but I think that some very underhand things are going to happen um you know I think we're going to start seeing some really dangerous policies passed at sort of I don't know three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. I remember the sort of housing act was passed at about three o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning oh, God. Um, you know one of the wor- one of the most dangerous policies we've had in years and because it was passed so early and we were all too busy you know losing our minds over Brexit Nothing has happened. Mm-hmm. Nothing has changed. Um, I'd like to be more. I'd like to be more optimistic and say we're going to get a general election. But I just. I think. I think at the moment, and I think it's a huge problem with the way we see Boris. Actually, Boris is. I'm even calling Boris like he's my friend. Boris Johnson is. He's a. Cunt, he's a cunt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boris Johnson is one of the most disgusting human beings. But because he's presented as our friend Boris, right, and he's presented as this sort of lovable idiot, his PR people must be very, very smart. He sort of. He sort of. He will say something really racist. He might as well say the N word. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that black people have lower IQs before mm-hmm. he was voted mayor of London. Mm-hmm. He's you know called Muslim women um, with burqas um, letterboxes. Um, he's called gay people bum boys. He said the most offensive things, but then he sort of it's like he sort of walked out of his front door and gone, Oh shit, hang on, I'm just gonna quickly mess my hair up a sec and then, you know, remind people that I'm Boris, I'm not I'm not, you know, I'm not the, you know, Nazi asshole that I am. Um it's it's insane that he's he's more of a sort of friendly figure. Um and pe- people like people seem to think he's a really Smart man, but for see, some reason. I think it's a working class thing, right? So working class people are, are tired of people lying to them, right? Mm. So we want someone, Trump done the same thing. People that, a populacy that speaks the truth. Mm. So he's speaking against the elites. Even though he is the elite, he's speaking... But he's still... Mm. But it's so interesting that, that that whole narrative can take shape because he has, even in the like five months he's been in power, mm. he's lied and oh, he's been proven to lie. Yeah, like, the so Supreme weird. Court has no, no, said no, no. he's lied, right? Yeah. yeah. But listen... But listen this is a part of the populist movement. So Victor Orban tells lies, Trump tells lies, and mm. it, but they don't care. They they don't care, and that's that's the whole point. Mm. It's the fact that these people don't care, and they 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 are they are not the norm. Mm. And working class people see that, and it's, it's, mm. it's, it's they like yeah, this guy's different. Yeah, he's 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 going to do something different, and by and large, they might talk shit, right? But he's trying to do by hook or by crook, mm. do what he says he's going to do, right? And working class people, they rate that because he's a man of mm, his... You get shit done. Yeah, yeah, he gets shit done, right? So Trump, he's a fucking dick, but he's doing what he said he would do. Mm. He's going to drain the swamp, and he's being an arsehole about it. And people rate that, but rate him about that. There's a certain core of his voters that do that, mm. and people see that in Boris. So yeah. I was listening to a, a LBC, James O'Brien, today, and this guy is saying, Boris Johnson's a liar, but he's my liar. Because it's, that, no. it's, that's, it's just it, it's insane, <laughs> but yeah, it's insane, isn't it? And the fact that I can't, I can't believe professional journalists call him Boris. They'll call, they'll say mm. things like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of all the other leads, Corbyn Swinson. They'll mm. say that, but Boris is Boris. He's mm. one name. It's he's a sort of friendly, idiot, racist uncle that you have over for dinner, and then you he's sort of, you just sort of laugh off what what he says and just ignore that he's got so much power. It's gonna be so, it's gonna be so interesting seeing like. I think by the time this comes out, we'll know whether there's general election or not. So let's just let's for now let's assume there is going to be. For me, like it's going to be really interesting to see where how people vote or how people decide. Like because he's going to do the people, but the people versus parliament that is going to be his yeah for thing. sure. Like, but, but you know what I'm saying, like particularly in the home counties. If, 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 I'm, if I'm being like objective, like he's played the blinder, man. Like, objectively, his strategy's been bang on, man. He's known what he's doing for about like, two years now. G- given, given that the argument was, when we used to have Brexit, was we wanted Parliament to be sovereign, right? Mm. That was the whole point of Brexit, right? It's Parliament to be sovereign so we can make our own mm. laws because Parliament is sovereign, mm. right? But now it's become the people are sovereign. Yeah. And Parliament's blocking the will of the people. Mm. And he's 
co-opted that so so well. I'm like, bro, like listen, if I didn't like you, we could be friends, man. Because you're like an evil you're like an evil genius, bro. Yeah, you're like an evil he, he, he's known for how he's probably known he since he was about nine that he was going to be prime minister. He's probably known this all along. Mm. Um, and it's well, there's the argument for abolishing private schools. We need mm. to let he's an idiot, right? We need to let stupid rich people fail, mm. and we're not doing that. We're just, yeah. you know, we're sort of lifting up the bright working class people, mm. leaving out the, you know, the sort of more, I'm not going to say less bright because I think, I, I know the most, you know, I know working class women that could probably put washing machines together and do so much, but they're not, yeah. you know, what academically been bright. Academically yeah. excellent. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's this sort of public schoolboy thing. It's, we're going to train you from a very young age to be someone in power and, you know, regardless of how disgusting your um, your beliefs are, or your policies mm-hmm. are, um, you know, we we can't we can't let poor we can't let poor people have what they want. But, we need to train you, right? But this but this is historically what the the UK is about, right? Mm. So first we have aristocracy, then aristocracy gets well not abolished, but it becomes parked to one side, becomes constitutional. So we have a, a group of elite people that run the country. Mm. So they have to be bred and taught to run mm. first the empire, and now we don't have the empire. They're taught to run the country mm. i think that um what you've been saying recently on the podcast here is that britain needs to decide who it is like britain needs to decide what it wants who it is i think this general election is going to tell us mm. who who britain wants no. should i tell you why why because we, we need to find our place right first of all there's a whole thing about scotland northern ireland oh, scotland are going so the very core identity of this country right as four separate nations come together, right? It, it, and like I said, people don't understand, it, it's a, an important thing for this country because... It's going well, to stop. The, the idea of being separate nations again, separate nations, like 1707, we're going back here, 1707. But I think we're on that track. I think we're like, p- people don't understand the breaking up of that and once you break up, into, England has been so successful for such a long time, it hasn't got a sense of itself, right? Mm. Scotland, Ireland, Welsh. So they don't have you a sense feel like you're gonna, these people are going to have the chance to decide who they want to be? They're going to know full well that that is the possibility. But, but this was scary because there's a, there's, a, there's a contingent of the idea who have a notion of England as a, as a white space. And that contingent mm. is, a, is a minority, but they're a very vocal minority, right? And that's a scary representation, right? So these are the people I've been speaking to, and I don't want that to be the vision of England. Mm. That's not my England. That's not my London. Yeah. But these people, I know they exist, but I don't want them to have their say. So they're in crazy parties like UKIP and all, but they've also infiltrated the mainstream. So I don't want these people to have, because at the moment they have more say than they should do. Mm. And if they've, they've kind of manifested themselves in politics, in Brexit chat, in how they how they talk to how we treat the working classes, how we treat ethnic minorities, fuck all that, man. It's impressive. Yeah. I got new trainers. Have you? <laughs> 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 What we get? No, I agree. Do you know what? We've had some really good um, guests on recently. Sorry, Tisa's just having a, a moment with George. Actually, I'm lying. I've got a new phone. You've got a new phone, Annie. My new phone's coming tomorrow. So, we've had some really good guests on recently, and you, especially being one of them, Rhonda, that have spoken about how we should operate politically um, in a way that is localised. And we had Tom Mills in a previous episode saying that the BBC, you can make the BBC better is by having it in a, in a more localised context. Mm. It'd be like BBC Dagenham, like, and it would focus on the issues mm. within your area. Like, imagine if policy was like that as well. But I think well there's loads of stuff going on locally, right? So mm. when you're involved, there's so much stuff going on and lots of people being active and caring for the community. Yeah. And what jars me is when I hear people from my community saying, no one cares anymore, <gasps> this, that, and the other. I'm like... Bro, what are you talking about? Do something, yeah, yeah, do something. There's loads of stuff. There's loads of yeah. stuff going on, but it's that sense of, I suppose, that sense of alienation mm. people feel. And sometimes it's trying to kind of uh, kind of course correct them. Mm. But sometimes it's hard for people to see, man. When you see shit all the time, when you see the news and you're seeing bad stuff over mm. and over again, people assume that's how it is. That's how mm. they perceive the world. But it's not really. Yeah. And that's just not that's not just a sort of um identity slash caste problem. That's mm. a that's just a sort of cultural problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are individuals now. We're not mm-hmm. we're not listen, we we you know, I, I still like to say I think I do think working class people are historically a collective, but mm-hmm. you know, we are individuals now, right? Like the the sort of speed that 
the the way that culture is changing and technology and everything else we are we are very much individuals it's really hard to get people to i think the people that do invest in their communities are fantastic but it is really hard to get someone who is isn't so invested or doesn't know that they're able to do that mm-hmm. it's really hard to sort of involve them in that I, d- I definitely think that you know personally i would prioritize a local issue over a mm-hmm. over a national issue especially you know brexit brexit is definitely at some point going to affect me but right now mm-hmm. um it's, i'm just thinking we're in new cross right now mm-hmm. you know the Achilles street campaign that these people are going to lose their homes if um you know regardless of brexit in, unless something locally is done and people aren't investing in this community enough you know shall we all go somewhere just live somewhere else here's what i'm thinking <laughs> like i mean for me like i get in terms of saying yeah brexit is like it's not affecting um the everyday if for me it's making me feel less safe as in like i've had like verbal and physical abuse since mm. brexit so like that is making me feel like i need to move or go mm. somewhere i don't know where but at the same time, I can totally hear what you're saying, Rhonda, that, like, there's obviously so many people that's going to affect. I mean, like, my mum, like, my mum's single mum, like, with my little sister, like, I do feel like if the if the pound drops lower and she she's going to have... She's a counsellor. She's always... She's going to have lots... She's going to have work still. She doesn't work full-time. But, like, her living costs are going to go up mm. quite quickly... So that that scares me, mm. definitely. And that scares me in the short term as well as it does in the long term. Mm. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, with all that Brexit chat, like, I, like I said, I'm, I'm always kind of wary of who's pushing it, right? So when I look at the video, yeah. who's pushing it? Who's mm. pushing, like, Jay Friesman, why are you pushing it? Because mm. you're, like, you're minted, right? He's got, he's got vested interest yeah. in this. So, yeah, so, yeah, for so sure. you're, you're shorting these things, mm. right? So, I, so you're looking at who's pushing it. And like I said, at the end of the day, whatever happens, right? Whatever happens, it's always working class people that suffer, right? Mm. So if we go to war, who's fighting the wars? Oh yeah, it's not mm. it's not, it's not yeah. Boris Johnson these powers. Mm-hmm. It's us, right? Yeah. So whatever happens, we get the shit ended, mm. right? Remains, leave. Yeah. This is what Valley said. Well, Valley said I asked him, but I was like, "What does it mean? What's going to mean for us?" And he was like, "To be honest, like we might as well just sit and watch." Yeah. Because yeah. for yeah. people that have been part of the empire, particularly families that have been part of the empire, this is just a, yeah, a like, cycle of continuation. Oh yeah, yeah um, it doesn't matter. Like I, I see. Like I said, I don't. To me, it's whether you stay or stay or leave. It's mm. but I, I'm interested in academic questions like parliamentary democracy and all that stuff. But. Mm. I definitely think that I mean we we all know that in the wake of Brexit like you know I'm just thinking about my experiences of racism growing up and actually I I've, I got called the n-word a few times growing up mm. but other than that I was you know I felt I felt safe where I grew up mm. and then on the day I remember me and my me and my sister went to vote um I'm very much anti EU in terms of the fact that oh. you know it funds such such disgusting you know especially you know I'm thinking about refugees here mm. you know we we know that it, it funds really dangerous things to stop refugees you know um coming for the help that they need um the EU has a yeah, whiteness it's, issue it's it's just crisis, the, the yeah. EU is it's very neo-colonial right it's yeah. it's awful but and I I was very much very very much you know sort of pro leave and I thought I think you know I was really undecided because mm-hmm. I hadn't really I don't think anyone knew what was going to happen, but I've, I honestly thought I was going to vote leave, um, and sort of everyone around me voted leave because you know I don't think anyone knew what it meant necessarily. Um, it was a change, right? And it was a you know fuck the establishment sort of thing. But I'm, on the day of on the day of the vote, um, I took a UKIP sign down from outside the polling station, um, and I went to, I went to put it in a bin, and this guy came out of his house. It wasn't it wasn't outside his house. This guy this guy came out of his house. And like yelled at me and called me a you know a black bitch and things that mm. things that I never thought I would hear, and I thought, do you know what? And I and I, I said to my sister in that that morning, I don't I don't think we'll leave. I don't think people want change that much because people don't know what's going to happen. Right? Is it really going to change us? And then, as soon as that happened, I said, yeah, this isn't this isn't about this isn't about the EU. This is about race, and mm. we're going to leave. Mm-hmm. And I said that to her, we're we're gonna we're gonna leave. Um, and I, yeah, funnily enough, I voted Remain. Um, and I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought this has become a race issue, and I, and I sort of hadn't seen that before. Um, I'd seen it as a, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd seen it as a race issue in the sense that, you know, I think the EU is a really racist organisation, um, and it's a really, you know, neoliberal, neo-colonial institution. I thought, God, I do not want to be a part of that anymore. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. I sort of saw then that, you know, the Leave vote was not about that at all. Yeah, it was not about that. The whole race thing, like. For me, like I said, that's what kind of made me want to do what I'm doing for my PhD. Like, I can't, 
I don't want to go back to how Britain was in the 80s, mm. man. It's not that it was fucked, but when I, like, I was watching Only Fools and Horses the other day, right? I loved that show. Mm. Super fucking racist. Oh, fuck. So <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he called his mate the P word the other day. He was like, he come here and then, like, yeah. you coon. But that was standard, right? Yeah. I don't want that to come back. Mm. I don't want to watch it. Like, today was another incident at a football match mm. where they put in, like, like, they must have put in banners of this black guy and he got taken down. Mm. Bro, like, in the 80s, that was standard. I, I don't want that to come back. Mm. Game had to be stopped last week. Yeah, mm. at, at the local level, universities. And I'm saying, like, listen, this is, people need to fix up now, man. Mm. But I feel bad. I do feel bad that people, particularly the fact that you were, sw- that you were possibly going to vote for leave, Rhonda, I feel bad for the people that did vote for it in a way because of how shit the situation is. Yeah, yeah. Even though that we know that those yeah. people aren't the people that got it over the line and they're in no way the people yeah. that should be focused on when we're talking about the like things to do with leave, like the reasons to do with leave, these people get focused on too much. However, I do feel sorry for those people that have been, didn't necessarily foresee, as you foresaw, mm. that this sort of voting would end up in... Um, really old school racism's coming mm. back but and like those of us that are black and brown being scared to be out yeah. in public places. It's not about the EU anymore, is it? It's no, about, it's not. It's about Muslims, it's about black people, it's about, mm. you know, it's about anyone that's not white white British now. But isn't it that, like I said, that, like, those things are like focused on identity, but when we look at the, what the causes of those things, it's, mm. the, the de- it's material. It's, it's a de-industrialisation de- mm. de- mm. of working class spaces, right? Yeah. So if you go up north, it's desolate, man. I go to like some town of towns up north, like, the, what, what I think when I go to Crew, the main the main manuf- the main employer in that town's Bentley. Nothing else, man. Mm. But you don't even need to go that far. Like even the Midlands. Yeah. Like when I go back for research, yeah. like it's far. It's, the height, like it's so far. So, like it, fucking one train an hour. Like do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so. so... You, they've decimated working class traditional working class modes of, but and that's again shifting the economy. So away from manufacturing mm. to a more service based because they're more flexible. But you can also accumulate more capital. But how do we come, like, let's say, like, guys, total utopia, right? Mm. Some sort of, like, Labour coalition or people that are basically no, put no, money no, back in. Let's say utopia, right? Okay. People are going to put money back into welfare state. Mm. Like, that is going to happen. We're going to get little Tiso, Chantels and Rondas being able to actually come through and, mm. like, just have... Like, because at the moment, I think of, like, the younger versions of us, particularly that are growing up, like not being able to fucking eat like not being able mm. to like going to school with like dirty clothes like that is something that's very very real and that would be me that would have been me right now oh, yeah, if I, yeah. like if mm. the welfare state was the way it was what would it look like to reinvent that the welfare state again because Imogen Tyler as we know she talks about how we can't actually get back to what we had before there has to be something different what do you what do you think that would look like, Rhonda? God, oh, do you know what I think? I think we need a cultural change before we have yeah. any of that, and we don't. Yeah, we don't. We don't have it. We. Yeah. I think even if we have, if we if we could ever get back to what we had before, the stigmatisation's there now, and I don't think I think it's going to take a lot for it to go away. Um, I did my dissertation when I was an undergrad on on the treatment of the sort of media representation of welfare claimants and how it affected how they were treated in job centres, and mm. you know. Um, the way the way that the sort of I suppose people are policed, right? People are policed now if you're on welfare, and um, there's this sort of culture now where you should you should police people. You know, we see it all the time. If someone's if someone's um, you know I don't know carrying a washing machine after they've claimed something mm-hmm. or something, then you should take a picture. Or if someone's talking another language on the train, you should say something to them. It's this sort of you know policing of people um, and. That I don't think that's going to go away very easily because so many groups of people have been demonised, and that, again, that's why we're never going to have we're never going to have the sort of working class unity that we had before, um, because there's so many groups now to demonise. When I don't think, unfortunately, I'd love to I'd love to have the welfare state to what it was, and you know, reinforce the sort of helping people rather than. Um, do you know what? Even if it, even if it is. I hate the word handout. Even if it is a handout, people need people need that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the fact that we have to say people should be able to afford to live. The fact that that is a, a an argument and the fact that that is a political leaning is atrocious. Mm. That should be, you know, part mm. of our values, right? But no, mm. that's that's an actual leaning now to say. I think everyone should be able to afford to live. I think everyone should be able to, you know, afford to eat and have a home. You see, and this, and this is and this is what's the irony, like so. This is a historical trend in, in, mm. in Britain. So you have 19th century poor houses, 
and you people going from the deserving poor to the undeserving poor, mm. and you, you have the similar same arguments, and that's why the, the kind of 1945 government was so revolutionary because working class people were fed up, man. Why do you think no one voted Churchill in, in 1945? Because when he was Home Secretary, he was a fucking cock, man. Mm. And he, 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 he came, came down the miners so hard that they remembered. So in 1945, we punished the Tories, man. We voted someone in for mm. social change because we, we were tired of living in slums. Yeah. So when we organise, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. Clement, do you know what Clement yeah, Attlee yeah. built, yeah. built the estate yeah. I grew up on? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and, then, and, yeah, and then do you know what? When, when, Thatcher sold, when Thatcher sold those off... It was that the the sort of right became the party of the respectable working class, yeah. and that was when we saw the poor, the deserving poor and the undeserving yeah. poor again. Yeah. Um, it was the sort it's the sort of the, yeah the cultural element. We're never gonna we're never gonna get that back. I don't I don't feel. But it's that the whole life thing, and it's part of the British disease that kind of class thing. That if I own property, I'm I'm becoming socially like them. Mm. I'm never going to be like. Do you, know, it's, do you know? I found that recently. Do you know, it's not like that in Germany. Yeah, that culture. It, it, it's, it's no in Europe. You can rent or buy. No one cares. But it's. But you remember mm. in in Britain to vote, you had to own property. So you remember in British philosophy, John Locke, who enshrines property rights, is a liberal value. Mm. It's embedded in our philosophy, right? To own something. It's mad, isn't it? Like just those little, just tweaking those little cultures, changing those mm. little cultures could could. Set, set something in stone for yeah. yeah, especially something as necessary as welfare, right? Mm. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's not, not optimistic, unfortunately. <laughs> Should we all go to McDonald's? It always makes <laughs> everyone happy. Go McDonald's. <laughs> oh, Jamie like Oliver might. Um... Do you know what? I've, I've, I've had McDonald's for the last two days in a row. Did you know? Have you seen? I saw the other day. There's a McDonald's Go now. So there's like a like a takeaway McDonald's. Like you go in there. Like uh, McDonald's are changing. It's like becoming AI, basically. Oh, when you go and put it on the machine thing. Yeah, you know, I fucking hate those machines. But but there's a whole, there's a whole shop which is just those machines and people making the McDonald's. I think they're great. They can do what they want. No, that's (laughs) like they're going to get rid of everyone's jobs. Like they're a big employer in the UK. Listen. Oh my god! Big up the McStrike people though. While we're here, like yeah, yeah. Come on. Since 1988, their food has tasted the same. That's that's amazing. That, no, but they've got a bit healthier though. Yeah, no, but that's too cut. But listen, their chicken sandwich tastes the same. It's quarter pounder. It's 1988. 1988. Thank you so much for joining us, Rhonda. That was a really good chat. I hope. I hope. Thank you. We didn't rile you up. I hope we didn't rile everyone up too much. I hope we did. Join in next week. <laughs> Join the revolution. Um, thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Um, as you know, or I hope you know, that the money just goes towards us keeping the podcast going. It's not for profit. If you are able to join our Patreon, please do. We'll be back next week. Yeah. Will we? Yes. 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 <laughs> You've been listening to Surviving Society with Chantal and Tiso. Please like, rate, and subscribe. You can also find more of us on Twitter and Instagram. 